Hello, everyone, and welcome to the GD Financial Markets podcast. I'm John Sahofner, one of the founding partners of GDFM, a management consultancy focused on delivering risk advisory solutions for a wide spectrum of institutions, both inside and outside of financial services. We launched this podcast to give listeners insights into some of the challenges and opportunities we see on a daily basis. In today's episode, Clarice Mallam, who is Financial Crime Risk Lead for GDFM, will be in conversation with Damon Baker of Four Park Group UK, covering some of today's biggest issues in the financial crime space, such as finding and fixing issues in KYC and client due diligence processes, elements of an effective control framework, and why more and more clients are leveraging managed service offerings. Damon and Clarice, over to you. Thank you very much, John, and thank you everyone for joining us. Today, I'm sitting with Clarice Malam, who's the Financial Crime Risk Head at GD Financial Markets. Hi, Clarice, how are you? Hi, Damien. Uh, good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Did I get your title correctly? Uh, yeah, Head of Financial uh, Crime Compliance in GDFM. Can we start off, please, with just a bit about your background? How did you get into this field, and what are you doing now for GD Financial Markets? Well, I've been a consultant for all my professional career. I was working with the funding partners for GDFM before they were the the funding partners. So we worked together for a little while and then they went on to, to work for a big consulting company. And I went into my own way to do uh, contracting work because I, I love helping clients uh, to, to realize their, their potential and fix their issues. And I delivered quite a few high profile projects. And then I was in touch with John and Paul, who, and I was really interested about the, the project with GDFM of providing, you know, quality services, uh, but I, at the lower price point um, and providing more pragmatic solution that really helps our client. And that's really, you know, my ethics and what I'm all about. So I was really interested to join the company on that basis. And so the consulting work that you did before, it, was it always in the financial crime space? No, I, I started off more uh, regulatory change type of work. So I was implementing a lot of new regulations and a lot of risk management uh, type of work. So risk and control management framework, reviews, and, you know, some remediation work. And then I started off doing financial crime for a very big top-tier investment bank that had been bitten by quite a big fine by one of the regulators. And they needed to do an overall of their global standards for AML. And I've impl- implemented a, a risk and control framework for that client. You are a financial crime expert. You've done reg change. Why should any institutions care about the work that you in GD financial markets do in this space? I think that the regulatory focus on that space is probably the, the most important thing to, to consider for a business. The regulator is really closing in on those issues. They, they are administering really heavy fines to companies and they usually find a company and then re-audit them uh, a few years later. So, you know, I, I have heard of fines. And, and so one of the largest ones I heard of, and this is maybe two years ago, you'll, you'll know the detail, is HSBC, something out of their Mexico branch, I think it was, yeah. 
And I think they got hit. I mean, you, you tell me, how much was that fine? It was $1.9 billion. And it was a deferred prosecution agreement. Uh, so on top of paying a fine, they also had to get their um, affairs in order. And they, they started a very large program to, to remediate the issues that they had. Now, one of the questions I did want to ask you is around, you've got a company like HSBC that obviously has to do its own internal remediation work, but other institutions outside of HSBC, how do they perceive that? I mean, did you see new business or did you see a lot of companies start to change and review their own internal processes after that? Yeah, so you, you have a lot of different approach to different companies. I think the, the other driver for other companies is the fact that you have the SMR regime, so the, the senior management regime that has been implemented by the, the regulator, where senior management will be held responsible for any failure of their bank. Um, so it's no longer good enough, you know, we're not no longer in the, in the years two, 2000, it's no longer uh, good enough to say, well, I wasn't aware of that happening into my department. How could I possibly, you have to have the right governance in place and you have to be responsible for what your team is doing. Yeah, there's more personal accountability now, right? Absolutely. And some people find it unfair because, you know, so some, you as a senior manager, you might not be aware of every single detail, but you do need to have the right governance in place. And fixing your AML process, your CDD process, is extremely important to, to make sure that you protect yourself from repetitional risk, that you protect yourself from dealing with criminal and criminal organizations, and that you protect, protect your other customers because it's you know, it's a far-reaching issue that impacts everyone in the industry and in the public. So, you know what, I, I did want to ask you a bit about control framework, because it sounds like I, I know that you've done that work in the, in the background. And I wanted you to talk a bit about detective and preventative controls. What are some of the, what's some of the best practice that you've seen along those lines? First, first time of defense is really, you know, the, 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 best way to protect your company. So your first line of defense is basically what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, having your people face to the call, really trained and understanding their processes and understanding why they do what they do. So having those control, that culture of doing the right thing, really embedded into every level of your company is extremely important. And it's, it's the single... Uh, most important thing you can do because you might have the most sophisticated control and control framework. If people don't play ball, then the, the, the whole process is doomed effectively. So very important to have the right culture and to, to have that as a prevention mechanism. In terms of detective control, testing is the single most important and most difficult thing to implement. Because testing is basically requiring to review the work that you've done and have a critical eye of the things that you've done in the past in order to identify failures and remediate the root causes that you might have. And unfortunately, as good as you are planning or implementing the, the perfect control framework, there will always be a scenario that will creep up and... Um, 
expose your firm to vulnerabilities. So quality assurance, control, and testing are really the, the, the three elements that you really need to, to get into uh, RAP. On the detective side, yeah, I wanted to go back to a preventative for a moment because you talked about culture and that is, is so important. Like you said, you can have the best design system on earth, but if your people are not buying into that, it goes away. Yeah. And so can you give any examples of where you've seen a real shift in culture with regard to AML and, and financial crime risk mitigation? First of all, I think the regulator is recognizing the power of culture a lot more and is delivering a lot of material to make sure that people understand that, that impact. And I think it starts to resonate a lot more with companies who suddenly realize that, you know, the old cultures, the old way of working are not working anymore. They, they really want to to change the culture, not only from an NL, ML perspective, but for overall, for, for the ways of working in your business. So we, we, we see a lot of that shift. And I think the, the COVID situation has accelerated that cultural shift. People have realized that they can work from home, they can trust their employee, employees, sorry. And, you know, so that there is a better drive and better understanding that getting people to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, as opposed to try to hammer the, the, the conduct, the right conduct into them because they might get a fine is working actually better. So I think that there is a little bit of that cultural shift and we see a lot of industry trying to come together in finding new ways of fighting financial crime as opposed to merely complying with the regulation. And, you know, it's no longer a tick box exercise. It's really mm. trying to, to oust the, the, the criminals from the industry. Now, yeah, it's interesting you brought up the COVID situation because in my mind, without that, without the ability to walk up to someone's desk and, you know, have a discussion with them about their work, even about what's going on in their personal life, but just to have that in uh, real time interaction with someone, I would think that culture diminishes or dissipates a bit. But it sounds like you've seen maybe an opposite effect. Can you go into that a little bit more and maybe bring in an example from some of the client work that you've done where you've seen a shift in culture based on COVID restrictions? Well, it's interesting because at GDFM, we had to rethink our culture because of the COVID situation. So we, we had GDFM Academy uh, that was fairly informal. So every time we get new people, we train them on our ways of working. We, we basically arm them with everything they need in order to, to be a success on any project they, they, they work on. And we, we ourselves had to do a shift into, you know, organizing teams meeting, you know, teams drink virtually, having more town halls online, using video calls and things like that. And it was really a learning curve. So we shifted our all of our academy online. So we did all the training online videos. We even had like fun animation videos to, to help with the understanding exams. And then we, we had that social element of having the, the GDFM Academy not only to 
teach people about the skill also to to come together so that that's the first point was we learn from it ourselves and then all our clients had to go with having our consultant be working from home and that was a complete shift in the way consultant work usually so you know what what's What's the difference if you, you have somebody uh, working from home as opposed to working from office? You know, what, what value can they add from the, the bedroom or, or the living room? And yeah, you would get clients asking that question. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there, there, there is, I think, not probably not as explicitly as that, but there have been a, a step back, you know, people doubting that we could deliver high value from but I think it has opened up new communication channels where colleagues who weren't physically uh, sitting next to each other weren't communi- communicating that much. And that has democratized now because you, you can virtually talk to anyone as easily, whether they, they're physically sitting uh, in London next, you know, really close to you or whether they're, they're in a different location. And I think, you know, in, in the consultancy work that we've done, we, we've demonstrated that we're able to provide that connection uh, with the client, provide quality results with our client and, and using the technology tools to replace the interaction we wouldn't have had uh, otherwise. And have you gotten feedback from clients that that give you confidence that you are delivering? Well, we we have repeat business. So <laughs> I think that's the best testimonial, isn't it? So yeah. we, we have the market will tell you. Yeah. Exactly. People are coming back yeah. to us. They they want more of the same. They they want our fantastic associates who, who deliver a very good value for money because they they the work from Cardiff, most of them. So, you know, they, they, they're a better price point, but the, the quality is, is there and they, they have the expertise. What are some of the packages of work you've seen clients take on in the last few months? In terms of financial crime, I think our bread and butter is really the outsourcing, so managed services. So depending on, on the, the work that they need, so we... Most of our clients already have a KYC department. They have their own data providers, their own service uh, providers, their own system. And they, they just need the, the extra set of hands. So most of the time it starts with a remediation work. So they realize that their they KYC wasn't necessarily up to scratch, up to a point. And they just want to do a review of all the KYC that have been done to make sure that they assure themselves against any fine or, you know, that they have a portfolio of KYC that actually can withstand the the scrutiny of a regulator. And then most of the time they're quite happy with the quality that they get and they they start using it as a, a staff augmentation capability where, where they, you know, a team of experts, KYC analysts that, that can be on hand to, to deliver that service and, and just augment their staff. So I'm going to go back to like an initial client engagement. So I think one of the, one of the issues I've seen, at least with AML and KYC processes is everything's fine 
until it's not. And so the big question then is, how do you know when something is broken other than where a regulator points it out? Now that gets us to talk about testing. That gets us to look at detective controls, right? You know when something's wrong there. Yeah. But what are some of the ways that you've seen a client understand when their system is broken? I, I think the main challenge uh, is not actually to do with KYC so much. It's uh, to do with the hindrance to their business. So most of our clients, their business is not to do KYC. That's not what they do. They do, you know, they sell, uh, they might sell property, they might sell art, they, they might be in the gambling um, industry, they, they might be in the financial services. They, they have other things to do as a day-to-day -day business. And unfortunately for, for them, the, the biggest pain point is that they, they have that dependency on the KYC process and to some extent, they have very little uh, control over it because they, they are reliant on the client providing the information timely, etc. But also the investigative work takes a lot of time. And especially when you have corporate clients, your KYC team uh, needs to, to, do, to unpick the whole corporate structure, identify each and every UBOs or ultimate beneficiary owners and make sure that all of them are, are fine. So, you know, every step of the way you need to do a mini KYC in order to, to make sure that the whole business structure is actually sound and good to, to make business with. And unfortunately, it takes a, a very specialized uh, type of skill. It's a real investigation almost. Mm -hmm. And you need to provide the, the assurance that you, you have left uh, no stone unturned before you have any KPIs or anything like this. The, that, that's the main difficulty that some of the business see is that it hinders the, the, the business. Then the, the other thing that happens is that if the KYC is not up to par, you expose yourself not only to financial crime risk, so you might take on, and not only take on criminals or, or that kind of thing, but a KYC is actually giving you a better picture of who your customer is. So it provides you with assurance against some of the reputational risk that you might have from having a client or for from some of the credit risk even because you will have an element of making sure that the, 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 there is a coherent picture of the customer. And if you have a company that has a balance sheet that looks a little bit weak and they want to buy 2 million property or office space, how, how are they going to fund this is really important. So there you're looking at information flow from your KYC AML folks to other parts of the business. So I, I'm, what I'm hearing is, is you've got, or you, you work with clients who will have two types of clients on one level. You've got corporate clients, and then you have natural persons, people like you and I. Yes. The latter category made me think of GDPR and the Data Protection Act. So uh, have you seen any issues there where there might be a tension between protecting someone's personal information 
and getting that information out to other parts of the business? Yeah, so thankfully there, there, there are some defense or GDPR. You do need to, to make sure your ML is sound. So you, you don't have GDPR issue more than any other business. It's, it's a matter of you know, having the right security, the right education for your people to make sure that they don't divulge uh, information about their clients. So, and that includes when one of my, my consultants comes back to me for advice where they have a case that is a little bit tricky and the client doesn't quite know what to do, my consultant will come back to me and to other experts in GDFM and say, well, I have this case where the client is doing this and that. And, you know, I think we we should do that. What is your view? And we really teach our staff not to divulge who it is talking about. So they might be very famous companies, but we make sure that we segregate ourselves from the client and only the, the people who needs to have sight of that client information do have that sight of it. So it's really important in terms of confidentiality. But I think individuals is probably the easiest part when it comes to AML because the, the offering there is probably a lot more mature than some of the corporates. So far, the corporate word, so doing a YC on a corporate client, was something that was mostly the remit of financial institutions. And that's what they do day in, day out. So, you know, they, they're still struggling, <laughs> mind you, but they, they, they have more mature offering. And that hasn't adapted so well for other industries, non-financial services industries, who have to pay quite a lot of money to have the right data and the right system to support that KYC process on top of having fairly specialized staff. And that staff actually is in competition with, you know, the the staff pool is quite narrow Mm. and they are in competition with financial services who have better means oftentimes to attract those type of talent. Uh, Um, So you'll see financial services firms lure people away from other industries yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that 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 is the model so in that sense i mean it sounds like that then opens up an opportunity for gd financial markets to step in and and say to them you've lost this person but we can provide this managed service in replace of them yeah absolutely that's that's basically the 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 model we have we're fairly confident in in our training academy so we we know that we can take we, we take very bright people who, who graduated and we, we train them and then we provide them with the experience. And most of our people just perform extremely well on the client side and deliver throughout. So we, we have people who want to move on with their career and do something else, but that experience is always good for them to, to continue their the career. There was also something in there I wanted to pick up on, which is, it sounds like there's the, I mean, I know that there is interaction that you have with senior people inside inside the client business. And I want to go to SMCR because it sounds like there are some concerns, obviously, that senior managers inside of financial services firms will have as a result of this new level of personal accountability. Can you speak to, can you speak to that a bit? Give me an insight into how some of the senior managers you're dealing with are deriving comfort from the work you're doing. 
I think the the senior management is taking foot of the fact that they they can outsource that expertise and have the level of support behind that team that you know sometimes they can't provide themselves. So it's quite useful to to have a team that you know whose knowledge is going to kept current and will flag things to you in in a very candid manner. Because we, we're not there to just do the KYC, but when there is a problem, when there is something that senior management should be aware of, that's something that we do flag up and we, we do provide help on an ongoing basis. And sometimes the fixes might not cost anything. I mean, sometimes the very pragmatic change of process or very uh, minor changes in the way you report things and that provides the the um, client with more transparency as to what's happening with that team so that that's what we we aim to deliver as part of our uh, managed services so around the managed service piece you know you're doing work with different clients you're seeing some emerging trends or emerging threats can you talk a bit about what you've seen in the last couple of months that the wider world might not be aware of, but that you see is a, is something that's coming? Interestingly, I, I think we have quite a lot going on at the moment with Brexit happening at the end of the year and that type of thing. The Brexit has had an impact on a number of areas and each business has been focusing on different part of the Brexit element. And when it comes to AML sanctions, it will have an impact as well because the regulations that are currently in place are derived from the European uh, framework, regulatory framework, and that will no longer apply anymore. So the, the regulator has put in place some interim guidance and you know interim defense but for when it comes to financial crime market abuse and a sanction you you won't have any delay you will have to comply right away mm-hmm. thankfully it's not completely different from what we uh, know in that area but it's something to be aware of that the the framework will be different and the regulation, to, to some extent, when it comes to sanction, for example, they, they provide more details, so they, they, they're a little bit more supportive to the business. But it's about retraining your, your, yourself to, to find the right sources when it comes to, to the regulation and, and making sure that you, you're still current in, in what you know. There is that element of you need to keep an eye out as to what is happening with the regulator and it's going to be different from the current ways of tracking changes and i think that might be a little bit of a challenge because it's changing the way we we think about regulations have you seen any types of threats in the last few months that you had not seen so much of in the past something that you look at and you think oh this is new or oh we've seen more of this than before no, I think the, the main thing is we had a little pause in terms of people wanted to to have managed services. We, we had a little bit of a slump in demand. 
putting it while I think everybody froze when the, the COVID situation unfolded. And I think people are realizing that because of that state of, well, we were all stunned, isn't it? It's, it's what, it was a state of sideration. The, the whole industry was just sidereated and decided not to take action. And we see a lot more movement with the clients now looking for help and trying to adapt to these new ways of working that we, we're seeing at the moment. So I think that the threat hasn't come so much from, you know, your, the, the criminals and what you're trying to fight against, but it has come more from the new ways of working and the new ways the regulator is looking into that, that process. Yeah, I hadn't really appreciated that so much. You know, now that we've got this new ways of working, uh, you said that there was a pause. Makes sense. People want to understand what this new environment looks like. But now that they're far more comfortable with working virtually without sourcing, you have seen an uptick in business. I think that's an encouraging picture. Do you have any concluding remarks for us, Clarice Mellon? (laughs) Yeah, I think the the current world is presenting us with quite a lot of opportunities. So it's been a few years now since non-financial service industries have been uh, subjected to AML. I think they're realizing now that collaboration is going to be the, the way forward. Having a better reliance on each other's KYC is going to be the way forward. So I think for us, uh, that's where we would see the the opportunity in that space is to to actually have a, a little bit of a game changer into providing more reliance and fighting financial crime across an industry as opposed to each company one by one. So I think this really provides us with a lot of opportunity because as a managed service, as an outsourcing option, we can be the, the witness of that and the enabler, maybe even. So that's what we're looking forward to, I guess. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially coming from financial services. It, it feels in a lot of ways like we're the gold standard. And then you can map that solutioning across other industries. It's only going to help. All right. Well, there is. Well, thank you very much for your insights, Clarice. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today about this. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, what is your email address, please? It's clarice.malem at gdfinancialmarkets.com. Okay, great. And I'll also put that in the show notes in case anyone wants to reach out. And a brief recap of today's episode. You've got the processes, but are they fit for purpose? And with the senior manager's regime in place and fines being administered, it is important to get this right. Clarice also spoke about the importance of culture and buy-in if these measures are to be truly effective. And we wrapped up with her insights into the shift into the augmented and managed service model so clients can leverage third-party expertise. Please join us next time when I'm in conversation with Sarah Peaston, head of regulatory compliance at GD Financial Markets. And with Sarah, we'll discuss how reg change, governance, and control can lead not only to less reg risk, but also to operational efficiencies and cost savings. And who doesn't want to save money? So please join us next time. I'm Damon Baker. This has been GD Financial Markets Podcast in association with Four Park Group UK. Goodbye.